Welcome to Saltier Politics. This week, let me tell you, I am salty and I would like to start by saying I would like to see Jon Snow next episode beheaded by Drogon. <laughs> you want to see Jon Snow beheaded? Yes, I do. Because Why? I know he's going to be set up to kill Daenerys and... I, I just, I can't stand him. I don't know why. I have a visceral, I don't want him to be the savior of everybody. I think if he's the savior of everybody, it's so predictable and it's been set up for so long that it's not, uh, I was hoping the show would be a little bit more creative with that. I, I am still, as you know, you must be, I'm devastated. That I, I, I'm, I can't, it's been a few days and I'm, I'm, I'm not over it. I'm I really know. upset. I remember just immediately emailing you the day after. Thank goodness I didn't text you because I would have been like, you must be so sad. Uh, I, I can't. It's, it's very, you know, my massive the, love. Both of the Lannisters. Both of them dead together. And the part that upsets me about this whole scenario is that I still maintain that the greatest love story ever told in television is this incestuous story between this very evil woman and her um, ethically compromised twin brother who are having an incestuous love affair. Um, but I love the two of them together. I thought their relationship was really true and, and codependent and um, mentally awful. And that's not even getting into the incest part, just getting to the, the dynamics between the two of them. But the beauty of it was that Jamie understood who Cersei was, never had any illusions about her, and just loved her. And... I thought the way that they died together was, on the one hand, a very fitting way for them. They were brought into the world together. They exited the world together. On the other hand, it was very anticlimactic, I thought. And, and I don't know. I mean, is there really any reason to live if Jamie Lannister is not in this world? I, I don't know. It's all very sad. How could tertiary characters like the Mountain and his brother have a massive fight scene, and then we have Jamie and Cersei die under rubble? I don't know. And the fact that Cersei apparently really was pregnant, I was skeptical all along that she was, but it turns out apparently she really was pregnant. Um, I don't know. And then not just that, I thought, look, you had some really good villains throughout the show, starting with Joffrey, Ramsay Bolton certainly was an incredible villain. And then they bring in Euron Greyjoy, who, eh. And then that whole fight scene with him and Jaime and all of it, I, you know... I don't know. I'm, I'm very bummed about Cersei and Jamie. Frankly, I don't really care who's in the Iron Throne anymore because my girl Cersei and Jamie um, are both gone. And all that's left is Daenerys, who, for no reason whatsoever, I think, had a nervous breakdown. Like, I'm not really clear on why. They never made it clear, other than her apparently having a nervous breakdown, why she decided to torch King's Landing. I also feel that her whole character arc for the entire seven seasoned was trying to disprove that she was going to be what her prophecy said she would be a crazy queen that this whole time was trying to disprove this craziness and now she has fallen into her the family cycle and i'm not clear what the trigger point was was it the white walkers was it when they first killed was it when they killed her second dragon um, i'm not clear as to what drove her to go ballistic um like that i, I just i don't get it and I'm not really, uh, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, here's the city basically laid bare at her feet and she decided to torch it. 
which again, I don't, you know, single-handedly, I might add. So I don't know. I don't understand. And I don't really care who's on the throne anymore. And bring back Jamie, or I don't care. And Varys, I'm really bummed that they killed him off. Um, um, you know, I don't know. Does anybody survive? Is it going to be Jon Snow and his hand, Tyrion Lannister? Do you think Arya then would kill Daenerys? I feel like Daenerys has to die next episode. Yeah, I feel like she, well, she doesn't maybe have to die. Maybe I would love if she didn't. But you you like you're still sickened I, by her? I, I you know what I am because those seven seasons made me like her and one episode isn't gonna ruin it. Well, <laughs> one one mass genocide Just of one mass, yeah. one, one one mass genocide of one million people doesn't really have if, to ruin it for I you. I still am Team Daenerys. No, I you know. Well, so do you think Sansa could kill her? Somebody's got to kill her. But that would be a cool death. But, I would think. Uh, but Sansa's I'm, gonna hang out up north, right, with Brienne of Tarth who will never trust another man again with good reason, Jamie Lannister. I have to say, if Bran ends up on the Iron Throne, I I won't be here next week. I'll just be pissed. Oh my God, <laughs> Bran is so annoying. I've been waiting for Bran to die for like... <laughs> For like four, We're just going to have You know, you and, I had, you and I had drinks over the weekend. <laughs> and I think in the course of a couple of bottles of wine or seven, um, <laughs> I think at some point, I think although the, the details are hazy, we determined that Bran went from being this really super cute little kid to this weirdo creep that nobody wants to hang out with anymore because he just goes around being creepy. Right. And just because you're the three-eyed raven doesn't mean you can't stop being creepy. Right. But all he does is go around making these creepy pronouncements and... I've kind of had it with Bran. Okay, great, Bran. You could see into the past. You predicted all of this. You didn't do anything to stop it, but you predicted it. Okay. Like, what? how does thanks. that even serve thanks. anything? Keep, keep thanks. S- stay there. Yeah, okay, Encyclopedia Britannica. Like, we don't need you. Like, <laughs> hang out by your weird tree and, and make your weirdo pronouncements. Nobody wants to hang out with you, clearly. Your entire family thinks you're totally batty. Notice how nobody actually asked Bran what the Three-Eyed Raven is or what he's talking right. about because clearly he's such a weirdo that nobody even cares enough to ask. Or like, he's going to Socratic method. What do you think the Three-Eyed Raven yeah, is? Don't. I, yeah. No, don't, don't care. Just tell me. Just, yeah. Um, I don't know. I love the Hound. I'm bummed he's, I'm bummed he's gone. I hope that Bronn gets Highgarden. That'd be cool. <laughs> I hope somebody's around to make that commitment to him. Um, where's Bronn, by the way? I think he's just waiting it out. See he's who's, yeah. who's going to come out on top. Where's he hanging out? Back in Winterfell? We don't he's even probably know. getting a drink at a local pub. Yeah, some whorehouse somewhere. Yeah. Waiting for the news. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And then I don't know why the Mountain decided he was going to kill Kyburn for no reason. I I was so unhappy with this episode. I just nothing, been, I'm nothing, unhappy. It yeah. did not spark joy. None of it. It, it did not spark joy either, and it sparked a lot of confusion because I feel like they were kind of hurrying it along. Right. As opposed, and people just acted completely out of character, just completely out of character. Even when Jamie turned to uh, whoever he was talking to, I guess it was Tyrion, and he said, you know, Tyrion said, you, we ha- you have to just tell, tell Cersei to get out of here. It'll be the only way to save a million people. And he said, and then he said, I know Cersei never really cared about the people. And Jamie said, I don't really ever really cared about the people either. Really? Because that's why Jamie killed the Mad King, to spare the people from dying by wildfire. Exactly. I would have also loved for them to have a Romeo and Juliet esque death where they, like, one of them stabbed the other and then the other. They had just more of an, like you said, an epic death or Daenerys to come by, like, Cersei's perch and to look her in the eye with, with the dragon and then just firebomb her. But. It can't be that they're Jon Snowing us that they're really not dead, right? They're definitely, they have to be dead, right? 
as happy as I would be if they were not dead, that'd be really lame if they somehow merged from the rubble. Right. They gotta be dead, right? I'm gonna say they are. And by the way, I'm not the first to make this point, but Lena Hetty, is that how you pronounce her last name? Is such an amazing actress, and what a waste of her acting talent this whole season's been. She's been standing around, drinking wine, staring broodingly just just out the window. Right. Pretty much what I do every weekend. But like (laughs) what she's got more skill than that. Right. Well, maybe she had just read the script and was like, this is stupid. (laughs) I'm getting paid a million bucks an episode to sip red wine and stare and smirk outside the Red Keep in, I think in Croatia is where they filmed it. So it's not a bad, not a bad I think that's our goal for the podcast. (laughs) I know. (laughs) We got to monetize this podcast. If any wine, if any wine people want to, if anybody Napa or potentially, I think Croatian wine, I'll accept that. Yeah. Wants to sponsor a million dollars an episode, a million dollars an episode, or at least just a bottle of free wine. We'll just be happy to do this podcast staring longingly out a window of some incredible castle in Dubrovnik. Done. And talk about this. All right. Now that we are, we will revisit this obviously um, next week, presuming I don't fall asleep at 8 30 at night like I did this past Sunday and therefore had to catch up on it a few days later. But we we will revisit the end of the show. Um, and, and hopefully it will not be disappointing. Okay, well, speaking into playing into people's hands into leadership roles, let's talk about William Barr playing into President Trump's oh. hands by authorizing yet another investigation into the FBI's conduct when it comes to Russian election interference in the Trump campaign. Who's going to, okay, and please don't take this literally, because I know some dope will, but who's the Jamie Lannister who's going to stop the Mad King? And I don't mean stab him to death in the back. But I mean, who in his inner circle is going to stand up to this president and say, you are crazy. And what you are doing is politicizing the Justice Department in ways that should never be. And because of your paranoid fever dreams that you get from the depths of talk radio and weirdo 4chan chains, that the entire United States government is now mobilized into looking into your weirdo conspiracy theories. This is the Department of Justice. And by the way, William Barr, who was a respected man, he was attorney general once before. He's had a long career. He's not a, at least until now, was never perceived as a conspiracy theory paranoid person. Um, what a way to end a career and your legacy. I mean, he, had he never taken this job, he would have been, you know, retired as a really respected former attorney general. And now he's about to retire as the attorney general who is screwing his own people, including Chris Ray. If I'm Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, Trump appointed head of the FBI, I might add. And my boss, the attorney general of the United States is basically launching an investigation into my agency. What does that do for morale? What does that do for morale at the justice department? And if I can just bring some sanity to this conversation, the reason the FBI started this investigation is because members of the Trump campaign were having suspicious meetings like George Papadopoulos with people they consider to be agents of the Russian government because Paul Manafort, the campaign manager, was having weird meetings with Konstantin Klimuk who was alleged to be somebody in Putin's inner circle and a member of the Russian spy network uh, because of the fact that John McCain handed the Steele dossier to the feds and said, look into this for the reason that 
it was he was concerned, as were many other people, about the fact that there were a lot of Russians circling in this administration and people, sorry, this campaign. So the FBI did exactly what the FBI should do. They were running a counterintelligence operation. They weren't spying on the Trump campaign. They were trying to get to the bottom of why the Russians were trying to infiltrate the Trump campaign and whether there was anybody on the Trump campaign that was susceptible to Russian influence. That's why Jared Kushner could not get a security clearance until Donald Trump overruled his own intelligence people and gave it to him. Because a lot of these people were perceived to be compromised by our intelligence system. So that's why the FBI was looking into it. And if we're having a fair and impartial review of that, which hopefully is what this attorney general is doing, although I find that incredibly hard to believe, then that's great. Then let's look into exactly why the feds felt the need to investigate why the Trump campaign was spending so much time with Russia. Why was Jared Kushner going to the Russian embassy, to the Russian ambassador and saying, hey, let me set up a secret back channel to the Kremlin, OPS, don't tell anybody in our own intelligence services. I don't want them to know it's gonna just be between us. Why? That's what we're looking into? Great. In failing to investigate the Russia investigation would have been a massive breach of duty of the FBI. It, if another, that's something they have to look into. If someone's interfering and they're like, we're just going to let it go. We're going to let it go. You know, I'm, how is that not a breach of just duty? I don't know. Look, I'm a child of the eighties and I'm old enough to remember when the Republicans were all about law and order and the feds and the FBI and uh, we have to stand up to the red menace and to the Russians. What, I mean, and I thought they went a little overboard on that one with Reagan, but what happened well, to that party, except for the fact that the Mad King took over. I mean, seriously, right. he is like the Mad King, some crazy paranoid kook who spent way too much time on, in the bowels of Twitter, and I know because I get some of these crazy conspiracy people tw- tweeting me as well, um, completely buying into weirdo conspiracy theories, like some guy living in his basement, and now our entire intelligence structure is subservient to him from the attorney general on down. It's awful. You know how last week we did what would 90s Rudy Giuliani ask about, tell today's Rudy Giuliani? Well, what would early, like, newly elected Lindsey Graham say about today's situation and how Lindsey is kind of... How about what would uh, Attorney General Barr of the first Bush administration say to Attorney General Barr today? Um, Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham, what Lindsey Graham's doing is very obvious. Lindsey Graham's numbers in South Carolina among Republicans were tanking when he was attacking Trump. Lindsey Graham's up in 2020, the same time Trump is. So he's just like, I get it. So yeah, I I mean, like, like, you know, he basically admitted he needs to tie bar himself to the president. (laughs) And what I can't wait for, I really just cannot wait for is after Lindsey Graham gets elected, which I suspect he will, unfortunately, the next day, how he's going to have a complete 180 and decide he's going to be independent Lizzie Graham again. And Trump is going to be surprised, I guess. I don't know. He'll send but, a nasty tweet and that'll be that. Yeah. Um, not to be confused with Susan Collins, who, by the way, I hope she's proud of herself that this law passed in Alabama outlawing abortion because they believe that Brett Kavanaugh being in the Supreme Court is uh, somehow going to ensure that they have the votes to overturn overturn Roe versus Wade, the same law that Susan Collins assured all of us Brett Kavanaugh would never overturn because he respects precedent. And sure enough, uh, frankly, the people of Alabama should be thanking Susan Collins 
for the fact that their abortion rates are so severely curtailed. Thank you, Susan Collins of Maine, which is nowhere near Alabama, but has impacted people in Alabama more than anywhere else in the world. Well, that's a perfect uh, right into what we're salty about this week. Oh, I don't know. What are you salty about this week? I'm, I'm, salty. I'm, salty. I'm salty about Game of Thrones. That's all I'm I mean, salty about. I, you know, I'm just, we can go off on Game of Thrones for much longer. But the Trump administration's message to LGBTQ couples, pretty much, you are out of wedlock, kids aren't citizens. Did you hear about this? No. What? So, uh, an article in the Daily Beast. So, last summer, the, star- the State Department issued new rules unilaterally changing the department's interpretation of the Immigration and Nationality Act a 1952 law that, along with the 14th Amendment, codifies eligibility for U.S. birthright citizenship. So the U.S. Department of State interprets the INA to mean that a child born abroad must be biologically related to a U.S. citizen parent, uh, the State Department's website says. Even if local law recognizes a surrogacy agreement and finds that U.S. parents are the legal parents of a child conceived and born abroad, if the child does not have a biological connection to a U.S. parent, Uh, the child will not be a U.S. citizen at birth. And under the policy, children born via gestational surrogacy and other forms of assisted reproductive technology are considered to be born out of wedlock, in the State Department's words, even if their parents are legally married. So if you're a gay couple legally married in New York, if you're two gay men, but you have a gestational carrier, I don't know, you're living in England, and you have a gestational carrier there, I'm not sure if it's legal there, but let's assume it is, um, and you use the sperm from one of the men, yes. they're, they're still not United right. States citizens? That's according to this. That's absurd. Right. So <sighs> that... Um, it's like one nightmare. It's like... <laughs> I don't even... Is there, I, it's is, like, there, oh, is there any group besides oh. old white men that this administration is not trying to screw? No. Old and, white straight men, I might No, sorry. and that was what was bizarre to me, just seeing memes on Instagram and on Twitter of the 22 Alabama... Uh, state legislatures who voted the abortion bill through it's people who it's not directly affecting making no, laws No, and we talked about this last week i mean we talked about this right. again it's people who first of all don't understand reproductive biology which i, I think um, people are now starting to learn it about the third grade uh, and secondly it's people who don't understand this is going to impact it's not going to impact affluent people who can get on a plane and fly to California or New York or, you know, I don't even know where, around Alabama where you have uh, unrestricted abortion rights. But it's going to impact minorities and it's going to impact poor people, which, of course, I'm sure the good legislators of Alabama will be passing all sorts of programs to help young, unwed teenage mothers take care of their babies that they are forced to have by their rapists or by their fathers because rape and incest is also not excluded under this law. Um, I'll tell you what's making me salty, and then I have one more question. So it seems like we're about to go to war with Iran. I see the same drums banging. Julie. This is bringing me back. I I I feel like like it's 2001 all over again. Julie, right now, I think we need transparency when it comes to intel. Tensions are so high. We don't, for example, know who is behind the tanker explosions in the region. Iran is denying responsibility while the U.S., Officials think it's Iran, so I just know we have an impending something brewing. So Iran's a pretty bad country. However, <laughs> and they are massive sponsors of terrorism. But 
as far as I can tell, they were abiding by this agreement. Um, not just as far as I can tell. I, I don't know much about it since I don't have intelligence briefings. But as far as every single ally of ours has said, they were abiding by this agreement. Um, all of a sudden now we're evacuating non-essential personnel out of Iraq because apparently Iran is becoming dangerous. Um, I, I've seen this movie before. And at least between Vietnam and the Iraq War, they waited about three decades. Now we've waited, hmm, what's it been since 2001 when they started drumming all this up early 2002? I mean, it's been 15 years, a little bit less, more. Yeah. Uh, teen. Um, yeah. And uh, listen, all I can say is this. Iran is much bigger than Iraq, and we couldn't subdue Iraq. Iran is... Uh, in some ways, a lot more of a dangerous foe than Saddam Hussein was for a variety of geopolitical reasons. What are we going to... If they... if I don't understand. I mean, again, this is... I'm going to put Lindsey Graham aside because he's never met a war he didn't want to get into. But all these other Republican senators who've admitted that... And then you have Tom Cotton telling Margaret Hoover in Frontline the other day, oh, yeah, we can go into Iran. It's going to be super easy. Not a big deal. It'll be over really quickly. I just, I mean, it reminded me of Dick Cheney saying, oh, yeah, no problem. We're going to be greeted as liberators and they're going to be throwing flowers at our feet. Obviously, we're still in Iraq all these decades later. And there are people like you, Emily, who grew up basically being at war. I mean, for most of your life, this country's been at war now that I think about a it. A larger percentage. Yeah. I mean, what year were you born? You were born right before 9 11, not too far before 9 11. 1990. Yeah, that's my point. So you were not even a teenager right, it was a lot when 9 11 happened. And now you're almost 30, and we've been at war all this time, which is right. abs- which is absurd. I mean, two thirds of your life. Of my life, right? Yeah, um, and it's just it's just amazing. It's just amazing that we're having the same discussion right now. It's like these people weren't around. What would you, if 20. you were uh, advising one of the Democratic candidates right now, what would your visceral reaction be to tell them to do or you advise know, them? To I don't. Do? It's not really a matter of advising Democratic candidates. I, I will just talk about this. Um, having started out on TV right when the Iraq war was starting out. So my first time on Fox was actually 2004. And before that, I was working on the Hill, and I was working on the Hill in the Senate um, when 9-11 happened and then watched as 9-11 morphed into a reason to invade Iraq for all sorts of specious reasons that made no sense. But what that the narrative that, that I just outlined to you was a very lonely narrative to take back then. If you were saying that we can't go into Iran, Iraq, it was, do you want a mushroom cloud to go off in New York City? Um, there's weapons of mass destruction. You're, you're not American enough. You're not tough enough. And so people like Hillary Clinton, to her eternal shame, and others uh, in the Senate felt that if they didn't s- support the war in Iraq, that they would be perceived as being weak or un-American or putting American lives in danger. The narrative was so exquisitely developed by people who were pro-war, by the Donald Rumsfelds, the Dick Cheney's of the world, the Bush administration, George Bush himself, about the fact that you were either with us or you were against America. And you were forever committed to putting our children in danger in a very real way, like there was going to be a mushroom cloud going off in New York City. Democrats were really shamed into that. I watched it firsthand. I worked, as I said, I worked in the Senate, watching the pressure, the immense pressure put on them. And it wasn't just by Fox, which was a complete, you know, the war drums were beating. Um, But it was by, uh, it, it was just, 
it was it was so shameful, but it was so well done that the only thing I can really hope is that people will not fall for it again. They will remember this. They will. And I remember being on Fox in 2004, at the height of the Kerry Bush election, and saying, I think I said, I think it was on Fox, where it might have been, because I was doing the rounds back then, but I think it was on Fox where I said, you know, this war was a big mistake. We've been at it now for a couple of years. What do we have to show for it? It was like I had said that I wanted to blow up America. Like the reaction was just stunning. And I hope people go back to those clips and I hope people understand how much pressure will be put on them by this administration and their allies and the media. And I'm not talking about just right-wing media. I mean media, um, all media about the push to go to war, and I hope they resist, and I hope they remember the lessons of Iraq. I really do. I don't know that I'm optimistic about that, but I really do, because I sure as hell do not want to be having my child deployed in 10 years or 15 years to uh, the Straits of Hormuz or wherever because we're still at war with Iran, which is, it just boggles my mind that we're actually contemplating another military action in the Middle East. One thing that came up, Emily, um, is that apparently I've been mispronouncing your home state's name all this time. Florida. So I was told it's two syllables, Florida. Florida. I've always said Florida. Is Florida. That not Florida? I feel like everybody I know says Florida, and then I was completely mocked by you and a few other people who were at my house that day. I mean, you know what? We can't all be born in the great state of Florida. So, you know, I guess you just have to be born there. Okay? See, I always think Florida sounds like you're saying it with a, a Jersey accent. Florida. Florida. Is it Caribbean or Caribbean? Caribbean. Right? Caribbean. But other people say Caribbean. I mean, I would say tomato, tomato. Florida. Nevada or Nevada? Oh, my gosh. Do you watch Veep? I don't. Oh, gosh. You, they, they have this big debate. I think it's Nevada. I think it's Nevada, too, but I was told that was wrong, too, that it was Nevada. Oh, gosh. Colorado or Colorado? Colorado. I say Colorado, too, but people in Colorado say Colorado. It can't be Colorado. And people in Nevada say Nevada. I think And apparently right. people in Florida say Florida as opposed to Florida, which is how I've always said it. Anyway, I haven't lived this down since you were at our house, at my house. <laughs> you um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's, uh, I've, I've been made fun of and, 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 I continue to return to the fact that you, uh, English is not my first language, so I get a pass. Let's, and, I, and I still think it's Florida, by the way. I will never go by Florida, because I'm, I'm not from New Jersey originally, so I don't have that New Jersey accent. We'll just both agree that I'm right. Um. <laughs> well, since you are from the great state of um, the... From, from, what do you guys, the orange state? Uh, the sunshine state. The sunshine state. state. Since you're from the sunshine state, I will defer to you that you are right, and it is Florida, but I will reserve the right to mispronounce it forever i just also want to let our listeners know that we do have a bet if if john snow does kill daenerys that you'll be taking me out to drinks that's but true if he doesn't then i will be getting you a handle of gray goose yeah somehow somehow i got the short end of this because while a handle of gray goose is not cheap i feel like many rounds of drinks <laughs> will not be will, not, will be even less cheap so i don't know why i don't now that i think about it i negotiated that deal after a couple of bottles of wine and it was a really i'll stick by it okay. but 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 in the light of day and and in full sobriety i somehow feel like i got the short end of that stick because it's not just you by the way i have to take several people out if i'm wrong <laughs> while you only have to buy one handle of something so 
the, uh, listeners will be in suspense to see whether or not. Listeners <laughs> should not be in suspense about the fact that I should never make bets when I've had a one or two to drink. You were just, you were also just taken aback by the pronunciation of Florida, so it's fine. I, I have not, <laughs> apparently, this has like become the big thing now that, that I don't know how to pronounce the <laughs> name of your home state, which you have mocked consistently ever since I've known you. But apparently I've never been, but you've always been nice enough not to mock my pre- pronunciation of it, which is nice. It's okay. I tried to say idiot in Russian last week and it, it, just, <laughs> it didn't work. So all we're, right, we're good. Have a great week, everybody. Right. Bye.